Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. You're listening to the first episode of Blood on the Rocks. This podcast may involve themes and language inappropriate for some listeners. Discretion is advised. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and I'll be leading this journey of the creepy, dark, or otherwise tragic. From historical tyrants and serial killers, to hauntings and diseases. Each episode will grab a drink, and I'll talk about one of my favourite topics, and to spice things up a little, we'll have the pleasure of a new guest to talk about one of their favourite macabre topics too. I'm pretty sure I'll learn some neat stuff too, since um, apart from what the basics, I have no idea what you're going to tell me. Sounds like a plan. But yeah, today I'm joined by Connor Williams, who's been a good friend for a fair few years now. Uh, do you want to say a bit about yourself? Uh... Not particularly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, just like... Oh dear, I should have thought of something to say about myself. Um... <laughs> it's always the way, man. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, as Akshay said, I'm... I've I've known Akshay now for several years. I've met him in first year of university, and um, I've, I've finished now. And looking for a job is going well, going so oh, well. It's definitely Please. the darkest part of my life. Uh, in the words of my favorite podcast, that's why we drink. <laughs> like, oh, definitely why I drink. Oh man, oh, God, I need to get a job so bad. <laughs> But yeah. Um, anyway, today I'm dr- I'm just drinking a boxed wine and like red wine. Mm. Um, and also for a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm drinking a uh, nice, rich, dark um, ale. What's from, that one called? Uh, it's uh, Thornbridge Hall um, Brachia. Okay, mine's just the first Meister on the Tesco website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So um, we'll get started on our first story, which I'll, I'll be going first, and then you can go afterwards, and we'll kind of wrap up after, after that and figure out how we're doing it right Sounds good i yeah. promise you i also have no idea what i'm doing yeah um so we'll just see how it goes for now right i'll be talking about someone from england alan menzies who is also known as the vampire killer like when i first started i thought it would be someone that killed someone because they thought they were a vampire but no this guy ended up uh, murdering someone back in the early 2000s i'll get to it at some point in this yeah he killed someone because he thought it would make him a vampire Okay, that's interesting. Yes, basically, he in two thousand and three, uh, in December. Uh, like when I say the numbers in this, I'm gonna say that I looked at a few sites and most of them said different dates. So I'm just going to go with ones that seemed right from order of elimination, but uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly. Yeah, but no. you at least get the uh, good bits, you know. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, and also the fucked up bit. Yeah, like we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Just, um, but yes, um, Alan Menzies. 23, who was um, who was from Fordhouse in West Lothian, he uh, claimed he was told to kill his best friend, Thomas McKendrick, by a character from the film Qu- 
Queen of the Damned. Great film. Which Great film. I actually have not seen, but it's, I it's the sequel to um, Interview with the Vampire. I've not seen that either. Ah, both brilliant films. Very different because like different directors, different casts. Excellent. It's t- t- technically the same story. Okay, I'm definitely going to be looking that up because uh, right so yeah. now now I'm interested. <laughs> but yeah. Basically, in evidence, he said that the female vampire Akasha, who was played in the film by the late US singer Alia, who had visited him at his home, and the pair had struck a deal in which he'd achieve immortality if he killed people. So yeah, that's a good uh, baseline, I think, to figure out how this story's going to go. Only it was that easy. I know, right? <laughs> Menzies had uh, watched the film more than 100 times, and like I said, he'd be, he was promised immortality and would become a vampire if, in Nick's life if he carried out a killing. He was an unemployed security guard who attacked his 21-year-old best friend, Thomas McKendrick, with knives and a hammer the victim had called at his home in Landrig Avenue on the Saturday morning of the event. Why the hammer? Well, like, um, you, you've taken knives. It's I, I have no idea. Maybe, maybe they were around? Um, like, it, it was at his house, so I guess he just had random shit lying around, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, um, after... McKendrick had insulted Menzies' favourite character and film. Menzies said he snapped before bludgeoning him with the hammer ten times and then stabbing him 42 times. It gets better, you know. After that, he had drunk some of the man's blood from a whiskey glass and then eaten some of his head slash skull. Like, I've had a... Uh, but yeah, it always seems to be a header area. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Like I say, it's... Definitely an interesting one. Yeah. Honestly, I hadn't even heard of it before. I haven't heard of this one before, no. Before I searched for it, which is surprising since uh, 2003 was not long ago. No. Well, then then again, I'd have been eight at the time. I know. Man, it's yeah, crazy stuff right there. He basically told the court that at the end of the day, I knew I would have to murder someone anyway. It was the only way you could do it. If you don't murder somebody, you couldn't become a vampire. Yeah, he denied murder and um, attempting to defeat the ends of justice, but ended up being found guilty at the High Court in Edinburgh. Like, he tried to get reduced as well, but during his trial, the jury was told that while Menzies suffered from a severe personality disorder, three psychiatrists had basically said his mental illness was not severe enough that a conviction could be reduced from murder to culpable homicide on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Yeah. Um, later on, mm. was brought up a bit more. Uh, I'll go into that a bit more in a bit. But yeah, so basically, uh, the jury ended up unanimously convicting him of murder and attempting to defeat the end of justice by burying his victim's body, conceding clothing, and attempting to remove bloodstains. A jury unanimously convicted him of the murder and attempting to defeat the ends of justice by burying his victim's body, concealing clothing, and attempting to remove bloodstains. Basically, to get rid of the body, what he did was uh, put the put the body in a just normal dustbin, like took it to a wood and put in a shallow grave. The police found it didn't find him for six weeks. So had he already been convicted before the body was found? Um, I'm not sure actually. I'll have to look. I'll put in the uh, description later. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yes, uh, when sentencing Menzies, Judge McDonald basically said, three psychologists have diagnosed you as a psychopath. In my opinion, you are an evil, violent, and highly dangerous man who is not fit to be at liberty. You subjected Thomas McKendrick to a savage and merciless attack. You totally lack remorse. I'm not used to doing this. <laughs> but yeah, right. And should serve at least 18 years before he can even be considered for parole. Only four years away? Uh, it would be. But um, basically, um, the year after, he was found after he'd hung himself in his cell. Um, oh, okay. 
which um, so he already served one year of his uh, life sentence before committing suicide. Yes, but after his client was jailed for life, uh, his solicitor Amar Anwar said that the case basically hi- highlighted the social stigma surrounding mental health. So it does kind of say a lot about this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think we've changed a lot since then. Uh, they don't know how many how many things have gone without justice properly. Yeah. I guess. Basically, he said that to continued taboo and lack of understanding or support of schizophrenia and mental health in our community can only mean that tragedies like this are more likely to happen and not less. The judge also ordered that Menzies would serve three years for attempting to defeat the aims of justice, which will run concurrently with his life imprisonment sentence. Uh, yeah. But you, then he also had McKendrick's family. Uh, his mother, who was Sandra French at 54, said uh, they were quite pleased with the verdict. And her daughter, Sandra Mary McKendrick, basically just said uh, he got what he deserved, which, fair enough. His own it, mother, was that, did you say? Um, not, not, not murderers, the um, victims. Those the victims, mother. Which, um, honestly, fair enough. Like, yeah. I would be pretty pissed off some something like that and something I cared about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, what can we do? There was also a related case a bit later with um, Jim Menzies, who had been basically been cleared of battering a child after binding him with tape, who was the cousin of this murderer and cannibal. But after the trial, he said, um, the murder Alan committed is despicable, a total act of will. I hate him for it and for what it's brought on family. Uh, to be fair, ju- jurors took only now to clear him. Alan uh, McKendrick, yeah. is it? Alan Menzies. Oh, Menzies. Alan Menzies, Alan's yeah. brother. Yeah, it's his cousin. Oh, okay. Basically, they took him just now to clear him unanimously of assaulting him. The youngster basically alleged that the 16 stone builder had bound him with tape, put him in a bag, suspended it from the ceiling and hit him with it while he was inside. But um, Menzies, um, Jim Menzies, of course, uh, basically ended up saying in the witness box, I've had to sit in this courtroom for three days, listen to my character being destroyed. It's an absolute disgrace. He was also cleared of assaulting the boy's teenage mother. The Livingston Sheriff Court basically heard from two of his former employees that the boy's mother had threatened to ruin his life. Prosecutors just denied there was a conspiracy, which they would do, honestly. But the defence claimed that significant discrepancies in the two boys' evidence meant that Menzies had to be acquitted. It's quite interesting because it also brings into light that when when a big murder happens... The family also gets really affected. So I thought that was quite interesting. But luckily, it was cleared of it. But yeah, anyway, um, do you want to go for yours? Yeah, I yeah. think that's all of mine. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, well, when you asked me to do this, I had to think about some stuff. And um, I, I kind of came across Haitian voodoo. I the, always like a, bit good, a good bit of voodoo. Like, yeah, Haitian voodoo and the idea of zombies. And there was... A lot of unknowns when it came to the uh, zombies of Haitian voodoo. I'm going to kind of lay out how Haitian voodoo came about first. Excellent. Mm. So um, uh, Haitian voodoo was kind of formed around the uh, 18th century when African slaves in the Caribbean were forced to convert to Christianity by the French because the French were ridiculous Roman Catholics. Um, That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Like, back then it was not great No, for many wasn't. people. No, it wasn't. And so, as the um, Africans were forced to be Christians, and you obviously had a lot of um, Africans from many different cultures in Africa, many different, like, many different uh, religious beliefs from throughout Africa, mm-hmm. they ended up incorporating their own beliefs into uh, Christianity. Okay. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, so, um, as time went by this the new beliefs were uh, known as haitian voodoo 
which I believe did come from a French word, which I have now forgotten. I should have written it down earlier. So, yeah, the Haitian voodoo uh, kind of believed in the system of a supreme creator called Bondi, mm-hmm. meaning good god. In their belief, it's very similar to, in, in a similar way to Catholicism, the god, uh, the god Bondi doesn't intercede with any human affairs, doesn't intercede at all, and instead has... Um, these uh, spiritual servants called uh, Loa, and that is more what the Haitian voodoo worships. Okay. But the Loa represent like kind of different aspects of life, and they're much more worshipped. They're like even they've even got their own sort of cultures and nations inside the Loa themselves. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, like so, like, I was reading somewhere that it's like it's quite different from normal religion. Yeah, it's, it's like these like different yeah different nations of Loa. That you kind of worshipped as different aspects of life, but then they also um, associated. I'm assuming to avoid this prosecution, they associated the uh, lower with uh, Catholic saints, mm-hmm. um, so that they wouldn't be prosecuted by the French, by the Catholics, and they were still slave slaves at the time. They had to find a way to practice their own religion without. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so clever then, as well. Like, yeah. Like, what clever way to your, to look at your own religion? Yeah. In a different way. Yeah, it's. I think it was like a very clever way that they uh, decided to kind of get around this sub- subjugation was to like allow others to think that they had accepted this other faith. Yeah. By um, almost integrating it with their own. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but then. To kind of like slowly move on to um, the more zombie area is a lot of it comes down to the soul, and then in in Haitian uh, voodooism, the soul um, is considered to be split in two. You've got two parts of the soul in this sort of like soul dualism type thing, and the two words both come from French called the uh, cross span ange and the t bon ange which mean the good uh that was the big good angel and the little good angel okay um those are strong names <laughs> I strong like names yeah it sounds like i mean them i'm <laughs> yeah. very happy yeah <laughs> like... Like i was making this like i was i was doing a bit of dnd and uh I need, I need some names and uh, let's make them literal um <laughs> It's, it's quite cool. Yeah. But so I like got, it. Yeah, so you've got the gross bond, and which is the part of the soul re- responsible for like biological functions, uh, like breathing, her blood flow, mm-hmm. um, activity in the brain, all these sorts of things. And what you, is you need uh, the uh, gross bond ange to be alive, mm. whereas you don't need the uh, T bond ange to be alive. The little good angel is considered the part of the soul responsible for things like personality, your character traits. Um, your willpower and is said to change as you experience new things. Okay. Which I, I found quite interesting when it came to the. Uh, That's the really yeah, yeah. I really like that. That's a yeah. very interesting way to look at the soul. Yeah, I I quite liked it. Like it's, it's not just the soul; it's just yeah. yeah. It I I did like it as well, and it made me think of something. I I, I didn't see see anything uh, during my research to um, suggest it, but um, there's something I'll mention about that later on. Okay. So then you, you so you, you've got the um, zombie, and I'm sure everyone's everyone's heard of zombies nowadays. They're a very popular part of media. Maybe. Um, yeah. So with the i the idea um, with were like the powerful voodoo priests, um, usually male priests, because uh, female priests were considered to be less powerful, not 
kind of outright stated that they were less powerful, but in certain ways that they would talk about um, female priests, they kind of like come off in description as inherently less powerful. Those are okay. The uh, voodoo priests and like they're kind of they were almost known as like sorcerers or was it uh, zobops, which I'm, I know I'm not pronouncing right. Um, but sod it, everyone says that on the internet. There are probably mis- mispronounced so many things. I'm going to in the future. Oh yeah, so much. Um, but what? there's but there was there's one part of Haitian voodoo uh, states that male practitioners uh, may turn themselves into a uh, loop uh, garou. Uh, which is a type of kind of ghostly mosquito that sucks the lives out of children. Huh. Um, that's um, not horrifying at all. Yeah, which I think is is, is a good way of um, keeping keeping the children in check. It's just like oh, don't make, don't make me call call, call the priest. I mean, I'll have him over here and suck. I'd listen soul to that. <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, whereas uh, the but so the the male the male practitioners could could turn themselves into one of these at will. Whereas uh, the females uh, would change into the loop guru completely against her own will, huh. um, suggesting the idea that uh, these female practitioners uh, didn't quite have the same control over okay. uh, o- over things as the male practitioners did. Um, I don't, right? yeah, I don't know if it was um, maybe there were other aspects at which they were better or not that I was my, I think my I research think that kind of thing happens scientist. a lot in a lot of religions actually like yeah um, which is honestly kind of unfortunate that, yeah uh, like at least I hope we're doing better nowadays like, oh same like you know but yeah so that's happened and then yeah so you have a powerful uh, voodoo priest uh, back on the uh, topic of zombies again would uh, would be able to create zombies they would bring people back from the dead by trapping the soul in a like a jar-like object and uh, use that soul to reanimate a corpse and then control it. Okay. Um, but I, it's like that is I think much more of a an, an aside to the creation of a zombie from a living person yeah i find it really i've like, always found like voodoo kind of zombies a lot more interesting than like the yeah. traditional like movie hollywood zombies yeah i think feel like the like, yeah, i really like that kind of yeah they've moved like the traditional hollywood zombies like try to move it so much more into like a medical mystery yeah it's than... like like i i don't fuck with natural spirits you know <laughs> yeah like natural spirits they've been there all like as long as they need to be they're not going anywhere but, yeah like they make you ain't fighting one Oh man, yeah, well, that's always pretty good. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's yeah, a priest would be able to bring, uh, supposedly bring someone back to life, and a the zombie would be very subservient, like very. So the, the um, zombie, uh, zombified person would be very subservient. They would basically perform any task um, offered to them. They were able to speak, unlike your kind of traditional zombie, I guess, like. But it would be only in very simplistic, um, mumbled phrases, very sort of under the breath, quite quiet sort of phrases. There was then this other aspect to um, zombification in which a voodoo priest would take a living person and then curse them. Okay. At which point they would instantly fall ill. Definitely not creepy. Yeah, they would then instantly fall ill and would die and be pronounced dead by the family within the next day or two. Well, fuck. And like everywhere that I was reading about this, it did seem to be it did seem to be a big thing that 
the person was pronounced dead by the family. I think I think so that everyone saw that this person had genuinely died. Yeah, um, he trust the family himself. Yeah, um, but then the person would then be buried. Yeah, um, usually in a a tomb or half buried grave, mm-hmm. which was quite traditional in Haiti. Uh, as a, yeah, it was quite traditional in Haiti to have more t- tombs or half buried graves over a full six foot deep kind of classic what would be considered a western grave. Yeah, but then. Over the span of the next two days, the voodoo priest would enact a ceremony to, like, well, like to capture the spirit of the of of the person. So their curse would then help them capture capture the spirit of said person. Okay. And then after they'd captured said spirit, uh, captured the spirit in a jar like device again, they would then dig up the body and bring it back to life. Go on. Which like just. To me, sounds like ridiculous. The idea of like actually like, re- that like... sounds both horrific and both and really fucking interesting. Yeah. Like I, I want to know more. <laughs> like... Yeah. So I um, but like there was a lot of so they ended up bringing them back to life, and then once again the um, zombified person would be very subservient, like would not speak um, apart from in very simple simple phrases, and would usually then be used as a slave themselves yeah they basically get were set set to do menial labor like um farming fields um pulling uh wagons simplistic tasks that other people didn't want to do and like the hard the like the hard work the mean like the menial labor it's very interesting how zombies went from that to what we have nowadays yeah like and um it's then there are a lot of studies. I think it was in the nineteen hundred, early nineteen hundreds, on this. But then every study that found something found something different to every other study, and no study could yeah. could find yeah. the same stuff that another study found. Um, I mean, with the like, when you consider like all these different religions that have been joined into one, you're going to find different things everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Right, but I um, guess back then you wouldn't really think of that. You'd be like, all of these people are, diff- are the same because you know back then it wasn't. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. Like stereotypes were everywhere. Yeah, and it's like the only thing that I've, I've, I've found in terms of as part of the um, curse, a usually a powder uh, would be used that was concocted by the priest that was used to make them fall ill which was usually made of poisons and uh, venoms of things along with um, plants and other things but one of the uh, main um, main things that was reported in like in a lot of cases was that puffer fish venom huh. um, was used and if anyone anyone does know about actually like how toxic puffer fish venom is it's like the there's obviously in Japan with sushi. Uh, yeah, it's famous in Japan. I didn't realize it had gone that far. That, that yeah, far you get pufferfish. Like, I didn't realize Because they're in, in such well. a tropical area. That makes sense now. So, you yeah, get like, so I guess much. Like, like Central, Central American yeah. stuff, like, you get a fair bit around there. Mm. Like, I never really thought about that. Yeah, but in, very interesting. Yeah, if anyone knows about pufferfish venom, it's considered one of the most deadly toxins in an a- in animals that you eat. Yeah, I watched that Simpsons um, episode. <laughs> There's a Simpsons episode. I don't. I don't watch The Simpsons. Oh, when I was a kid, um, I did. Yeah, but no, it's um, it's it's so toxic, and so much of the fish is toxic. To prepare, to uh, learn to prepare pufferfish sushi, 
takes um, the average um, person 20 years. And <laughs> Can you imagine taking that long to like, prepare a dish? Yep. Um, and for the uh, two, pr- like, it's so toxic, Dave, if you have just the slightest, smallest slither of part of the fish that is toxic, there's like, there's something like maybe 20% of the fish is actually edible. Is it bad that I'd pretty risk it? I'd so risk, I, 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 I want I to would. try it. I would. <laughs> like... um, but if you are going to risk it, um, I, I'll go on to this it's just, it's just as an aside. So you've got the puffer fish. Um, when they're preparing it, a, um, a Japanese sushi chef has to uh, go through uh, official means to be able to to be allowed to serve it. Jeez, man. Um, because of how toxic it is, and as part of their final exam, they must prepare and then eat their own puffer fish. Oh um, man, that's <laughs> so. If so, they have to be confident enough to eat their own puffer fish, and if they don't, they will fall very very ill and likely die um, that's insane like but then um if you do ever want to try puffer fish it's always be careful when you, like you're going around and you see it advertised because what, what you want to do is a puffer fish it's a oh. tradition in japan that if you have someone who is trained to prepare for puffer fish you hang a puffer fish lantern outside okay. um the thing so when you've skinned the puffer fish you will then dry it and basically turn the puffer fish skin into a lantern that's... to hang outside your okay. shop to show that you've passed that's amazing um, a passed the exam right honestly i think if i were to try it i'd generally google where's good first oh like, oh yeah I mean, like, google is your friend like back in the day yeah, you definitely look for a lantern yeah. Yeah, like, that, that's what i've that's what i've heard and i've always wanted to um i've always thought about traveling to japan to try uh like something like that the only issue being is i'm not a big fan of sushi Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I love sushi, man. I don't know what it is. I think it's the sushi rice for me. Maybe. Um, oh, okay. For me, that's the best bit. Oh, for, like, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm not a fan of the sushi yeah, rice. sashimi. Like... Yeah, no, I don't mind the sashimi, but I like it nice and really thinly yeah. cut. Really thin. Um, I like the thick fish. Man. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've lost where I was on the um, <laughs> covered. I think I actually covered it all in, um, before we got to the puffer fish. Yeah, um, yeah I well, was talking about how the uh, the puffer fish venom was well, if you, um, if you want a, to, um, a commonly cited yeah. ingredient into a powder that priests use during the uh, curse. So, so when you can imagine how deadly uh, puffer fish venom yeah. is, like that, making them fall ill and without treatment you die it's just it's without treatment it's you're done so it's a really interesting really kind of terrifying idea to have someone kind of come up to you and blow powder in your face and then next thing you know you're a zombie with no no mind of your own but that is then the actual final part i was going to come to the uh, no mind of your own type thing the whole fact that they're like very susceptible and yeah, um, all this because it made like when I was like, like is about it the because, Haitian voodoo? Yeah, so I was gonna say because is it because of um, the actual poison, or is it because they're terrified of it happening again? I, I don't know. For me, I was I was really in terms of the kind of the spiritual side of it is would you consider it because the um, the voodoo priest is only able to trap the um, the gross bonange. The part that's actually just responsible for the biological functions. Oh yeah, yeah. So they trap the part that's responsible for the biological functions. Feed that back into the body, bring the body back to life, but don't give the aren't okay. able to give back the T bond. That's a really cool way of putting the soul into context. Yeah. Like yeah, so that then they no like so they've brought the body back to life. They've pushed ha- only half of the soul back into the body. I really like that. That's so that's really yeah. interesting. It's a really like, interesting idea, and it's just I've never heard of something like that before. Yeah, that's really, it's that's really cool. I really like the idea of that sort of 
Because it kind of puts song to I say different... like the idea. I'm terrified of the idea. Oh yeah, of course. It's yeah. Such a like it's very interesting because like mm. you don't really normally in Western society you think of the soul very like as just one thing that is kind of yeah. It's just that one permanent thing that goes anywhere. Yeah. And you can't really keep it in place, but unless you're mm. like particularly. I think it was like yeah, in Western society you end up thinking of um, a soul a lot more in terms of the T Bon Ange. Yeah. It's that little good angel. That gives you your personality and everything, and if you die, then your personality yeah, and like, everything—that's what moves yeah, on. Yeah, like in Western society, um, you think of the um, personality. Me, so it's like per- personally, like I, I have always been an atheist. So for me, it's like even that idea is a bit out there for me. But yeah, it's I always like I just really like such figuring out how different different like places think and, things very differently. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that this is such a interesting way of looking at how someone is is the idea of you've got this thing that keeps you alive and this other thing that makes you you yeah so without that thing that makes you you yeah so it's, so quite it's, it's so cool and it makes me wonder like kind of almost like how they would maybe look at depression yes because uh, it's like it, like when i was reading about this it made me think it was like as depression has almost like a sickness of the t-bon ange um that's very yeah uh, like that's something that does have depression. You do, yeah. you do as well. That's I've never really thought of it. Thought of like this mm. kind of thing in that perspective actually. That's um... yeah, and I think it's I think it's it's nice. It's almost comforting. Yeah, like it is. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's everything. I, I think that's everything I have that's to talk fine, about. So, on the, um, um, zombies. I know that I've missed stuff out. No, that's that's and fine. I'm like, sure don't worry. Like I said certain earlier, certain people will correct me. Yeah. Right. Like I said earlier. I also, I promise you, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of comments telling us exactly how we're wrong in every way. Oh, I So it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I encourage those comments because I want to learn more as well. Yeah. So, um, uh, although actually, like, asking, if, actually, just to ask people online if, um, when I mentioned earlier about the whole nations of uh, lower and the, um, that, like, I was reading that there's 21 different, like, nations of the, like, I guess you could call them angels, the lower that are associated with the Catholic saints and the, uh, like, kind of the spiritual subservience to, um, okay. uh, what is it, uh, Bondi. Yeah. If anyone kind of knows how they're kind of split up or anything, I would be really interested in reading about that because oh, yeah. I didn't really come up, like, they mentioned it, but I never didn't come across anything that further explained it. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Like, yeah, um, no I guess we'll wrap up there anyway. And, um, Oh, thank all of our listeners and, um, well, hopeful listeners. Mm. Please listen to us more. And um, if you'd like to share us to your friends, family, um, people you want to traumatise, I don't know. And uh, do you have anyone to shout out to? Uh, um, I can't think of anyone um, anything, anyone right now, no. That's fair enough. Anything on Twitter? Like, ain't no Twitter or anything? Are you good? No, I don't have a Twitter. That's fair <laughs> enough. Okay, well, um, but maybe one day. Maybe I'll probably end up starting my own thing, so it'll be, I'll, I'll listen back on this and go. Well, if you ever need to, if then only you... I was able to shout myself out then. Well, if you ever need to, you can, you can always come back. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I'll we'll happy figure to, it out. Happy to. My name is Axel Taylor, and I've been your host. I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone listening and everyone who helped or encouraged me to make this podcast a well, you know, a thing, and plus those who volunteered to come on and have a talk with me. Um, I'm very grateful actually for everything a big special shout out to emma house for drawing up our amazing podcast logo and also to the lovely people at the and that's why we drink podcast 
for inspiring this podcast in the first place. So um, thank you guys and I'll see you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.